Records are a beautiful thing. I've been collecting records ever since I was 15 years old. Putting the needle on the record and hearing its first crackles is a Pavlovian elixir that never fails to calm my nerves. Shuffling through records and record bins is an activity that releases endorphins, like the kid in the candy store or a starving man in front of a Chinese food buffet. When I discovered used record stores selling vinyl at less than half the regular price of compact discs, I got lost in the world of collecting records. With limited cash supply, secondhand records afforded me a chance to participate in the act of buying music. With only $5 in my pocket, I could walk away with something new and get my shiny new toy fix. Before the internet arrived and simultaneously helped us and ruined us all, buying records to me was like a giant Easter egg hunt. There was no Wikipedia or Discogs for verification. You had to grope in the dark, praying that you'd find a gem, like a hunter on a wild goose chase. The amount of times I bought records simply based on their cover would embarrassingly number the hundreds, but this gradual climb of hit and miss was sometimes the only way I found out about new bands and new genres of music. I didn't have anyone outside of music magazines or television music shows to help guide my way. These days, I'll take music in almost any form, compact discs, MP3s, and vinyl. Buying music has never been about the format or having the biggest collection in a giant dick contest. It's always only been about listening to as much music as I can before I croak. If I have to listen to it through chewed up speakers on equipment bought at sketchy pawn shops, then I'm going to do it. Still, I do concede that vinyl records are the most attractive format and the one I take the most pleasure in buying. Am I addicted to buying vinyl? Yes, but I think of myself as one who has his addiction under control, depending on who you ask. Now, with the vinyl resurgence in full swing, it seems everyone has started buying records again. I'm glad that it puts import on a pastime I've always participated in, but I dislike its hipster designation and the slapdash transitory posturing that comes with it, but I tolerate it. With every downturn, there's always an upside. And just like the compact disc boom of the 80s had everyone selling off their vinyl, I now see it happening with their compact discs. And there I am again, waving them over with a roll of $1 coins and stars in my eyes. When it comes to discussions on music with people who know a lot about music, despite what many think, it's usually a one-sided conversation. And I'm the one who's quiet in the discussion taking in every musical tip and every record suggestion like a dog on Alpo. These are the people that I pay the most respect. These are the people who will lead me to where the good music is. And for that, I am grateful. I've known Aaron Keel for around 20 years now. It's a friendship that was birthed and maintained via a record store. Aaron is an encyclopedia when it comes to music, and a quick discussion with him will yield a short list of records and singers for, for, for someone to seek out and discover. Last December, my favorite record store, Vortex Records, closed for good. I had been going there since I was 15, and it's where I met Aaron when he worked there.
Of course, on its last day, Aaron and I were there to pay respects and say goodbye to Vortex one last time. I ended up buying two CD shelves off of Burt Myers, Vortex Records owner, and I now own a piece of the store for good. These days, Aaron is still very deeply involved with records as one half of the, the team called the Record Guys, a duo comprised of himself and Akeem Boldereff. Their name, The Record Guys, has become synonymous with quality records in great condition, rare and hard to find among collectors. Go to your local used record store for catalog buys, like the Beatles or Green Day or the latest Adele on vinyl, but go to The Record Guys for those deep finds and top-shelf items in mint condition. The two also run the Toronto Downtown Record Show, that happens twice a year with nearly 50 vendors and over 100,000 records to look through. On a visit to their downtown record show this past November, Aaron and I hatched plans to meet up and, of course, this podcast episode was inevitable. I love talking shop with someone as knowledgeable and passionate about records as Aaron. And so this podcast could have gone on for another two hours. And for anyone who is remotely interested in getting into record collecting or already call record collecting a hobby, then this is a must-listen-to episode. Over the years, as much as I still search for the latest and elusive music records, quietly and off to the side, one of my favorite things to do has always been to collect kitschy oddball records. And I've only recently started posting them on my at next level record collecting profile on Instagram. I, f I figure since this episode is a discussion on vinyl, now would be the best time to plug it. Check it out for the oddities and weirdness I post. For some people, like me, like Aaron, music isn't the soundtrack to our lives. Music is our life. In the foreground, steering the ship, piloting the way, forging the path. I've always let it be my guide. And sometimes, in more lucid moments while on stage amidst the blaring volume, can't help but laugh out loud that it was the times at Vortex, or caught up in discussion with people like Aaron, that led me down my path and made music my vocation, standing on stage with a guitar in my hand. This podcast is supported by Blue Mic Microphones and Skull Candy Headphones. This podcast supports Chino Locos Restaurants, please leave a rating or a review on iTunes. It helps the podcast's profile and keeps us on the radar on iTunes. Okay, let's go. Aaron Keel is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. Nick Lennon, is Danko's co-hotel over free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Get in from fucked up. Stop playing. Hang down, down. Gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts. Now. 
So, uh, Aaron, it's great to have you here. Um, Thanks, man. We've talked about this for quite some time. Um, so you and I have known each other, uh, God, 20 years now? Absolutely. Right? 100%. And, um, I don't know if I told you this story, but the first time I met you, because you used to work in record stores, I met you at a record store, mm-hmm. Vortex on Spadina and Queen. I was buying a Youth of Today record. I brought the album up to the cash. You remember that store was so small, Yeah, right? you've got my eyes wide yeah. open. I don't remember this, so <laughs> yeah. go on. Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is it can fit, that store could fit four people and it's rammed, right? Yeah, yeah. So I brought up the Youth of Today record and um, we're not in this alone. That's the record. And you go, who are these guys? They look like they're 12 years old. I mean, who, who is this? Like, you know, it was obvious someone else had ordered those records in, right? And so I was, I was kind of like trying to explain it to you. But at the same time, I was like, um, I don't know. I'm getting into this myself. Right, right, right. I right. didn't know. Right. So I go, well, you know, they're a punk rock band. You know, they don't smoke. You know, I don't know what I said, right? And you're just like, all right, cool, you know? After that moment, every time I'd see you, whether it's in a club or on the street or around town, I'm like, that's the youth of today guy. (laughs) (laughs) That is the first and last time I have ever been associated with being cool. So that is amazing. (laughs) And years later, I'd say, Oh five, we were touring with this band in America and the, in Oh five. So this is years after this, (laughs) this moment with you had happened. And, uh, you know, we're like a week into it. And the drummer, you know, he's, we're talking. He's like, oh, I used to be in bands. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what band? Youth of Today. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> Who are you? And he, and I go, were you on uh, We're Not In This Alone? And he goes, yeah, that's me on the back of the album cover. Wow. And he was the youngest looking guy. Sammy was the youngest looking guy on the cover. And I immediately thought of you. I'm like, if of Aaron can only see, he's grown up. <laughs> Sammy still- made it. He's still playing drums. <laughs> so that is. Well, I don't, I, I'm I glad never, you saved that story for this moment because I never I, told you that before. Nope. That's no. <laughs> hilarious. How I never told you that before. But you know, in, in leading up to this podcast, I mean, that is good. I got to lead with that. Sammy, you made lifelong friends happen, buddy. Cheers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but since that time, obviously. Um, <laughs> you are still involved with records. I mean, that's how deep you go. Yeah. Um, that I, is the first record store job I ever got. Really? Was working for Robert Lawrence. Robert, if you're listening, you're the best. Uh, Robert Lawrence at that Queen and Spadina one. I worked for my dad before that, but it was the first job I was given. So that was that was a that was a pretty legendary moment to be working in a record store. It was so. a small little record store, but yeah. it was amazing. There's a lot of power in that store. The the, the people that came in there, um, the the vibe of what Robert carried, what that store represented. It was the initial explosion of Queen West and that whole scene. That's the music store that really is the biggest pop off, which is funny because it was like the size of a postage stamp. But yeah. still, yeah crazy that was good times yeah you know i mean i I always used to go there that was my go-to place because as much as random as the records that you guys had and you had used records and you knew records 
it was a random mishmash of all cool stuff. Yeah, Robert was into cool stuff. Yeah. You put cool stuff in the store. And in in the defense of your story, he hired me because I cared, not because I knew a lot. And I wanted to know more. Right. And right. I'm I'm very glad I was the young guy that wasn't afraid to look at the customer and say, What is this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to not to not be afraid to bond over it because anybody who's ever been in a record store ever has come up against the clerk <laughs> who's like, You don't know this, you obviously are the worst person on earth. Get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I and I'm glad that, you know, if I'm gonna toot my own horn, I never did that. Yeah. You know, I'm super glad because you can only ever then introduce somebody else to something great. No, it's true. And I, uh, um, I got my first Bad Brains records from there. Mm. You had those on display forever. I mm-hmm. bought one of those copies, Rock for Light and I Against I bought there. Yeah. Um, and I learned record store etiquette there because there was a mo- one day you weren't working there. It was the other uh, someone else and. Some guy was leafing through the records, and I wanted to see what was at the back of his bin that he was looking at. So I start, I'm like 15. I start looking there, and instead of really chewing me out, he just like stopped. He stepped back and he goes, You wanna give me a chance to go through this, buddy? Right. And I was was mortified. Yeah. (laughs) You bin hopped. Wow. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Wow, dude. And that moment (laughs) was that, I mean, it just cemented something. And I go, Oh, there's, you know what? There's etiquette involved in this. Sure. And that kind of brings me to something that I wanted to touch on later, which is the vinyl resurgence because of things that I've seen since then that brings me back to these moments. Um, but anyways, getting back to you and your connection with records, you are not out of the record game, even to this day. No. You are one of the premier <laughs> vinyl people in the city. I mean... I, I guess I got to accept that, sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got you are, what is it, one half of the Toronto record... The record guys. Record, the yeah. record guys. Yeah. Toronto record guys. Me and my good buddy, Akeem Boldereff. That's right. Anybody who buys records or fancies themselves uh, a collector of vinyl and lives in Toronto should know who you guys are by now. I, I don't know. Sure. Let's, I think let's so. Let's go with that. Yeah. You know, if that means that I get to be part of what brought a lot of music into a lot of different people's lives, then yeah, hell yeah, I take that for sure. It really is important to me that... Uh, Music gets out there. I really care that people want to jam out to something they love. So. You know, I feel that off you too, because um, because of certain things I've noticed and and um, we've talked about. Uh, I love records. Mm. I love vinyl. I love albums. I love buying it. I love going through the whole process of it. But I'm always on the other side of the curtain. I'm like, you know, just a consumer. Once you step behind it and you make it, you know, your job, your vocation, um, I think I asked you this once already, are you sick of records? Oh, wow. No, I'm not sick of records. I can sometimes get uh, sick of the phony hype surrounding them that we currently live in a bit of. Uh, They've been fetishized to the extreme um, but I'm not sick of records. Records are um, re- really vinyl is a vehicle for music. I care about music. Yeah, but I'm not gonna lie. Hell yeah, it's fun to flip through records. Yeah, the experience 
uh, and the history of what you're looking through and who you're buying it from and where it came from and where it's going. And it's, it's exciting. It's a, it's a touchstone. Uh, I don't need to collect them myself anymore. Right. That's kind of you what know? I was kind of leading to. Yeah. So you do not collect <clears throat> records anymore. Being not. around them so much, right? Well, okay. So I have maybe 150 records in my collection. Now, I've got days and days and days of music. But as far as records, I got hardly anything. For sure, it's because it's my business. Yeah. Because yeah. I do it every day. And I knew there had to be some sort of fallout. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the records come in and out of my hands. Right. And playing with them, I get to goof around with them every day. So I get the experience that somebody has when they have their own personal collection. I get to have that while going through all the different stuff that I buy and sell. Right. So I think in a way it, I have that satisfied a bit. But I don't feel the need to have a large amassed bunch of records anymore. Yeah, I was talking to someone uh, about having you on and leading up to it, I mentioned he either has like 10,000 records or 50. Right. I knew it. Like I knew that that was going to be, that's how it goes when you're around that many records. Now, something that I'm very interested in is, is I was talking to you before we started this was your, your process. That's something I'm very interested in because you don't have a storefront. You don't have a Mm -hmm. store. You don't have a dealer, distributor, record labels that send you the new stuff going in and out of whatever you deal strictly with used records, right? Like, yep. That's right. So, I mean, your supply is random. It changes by the minute. Uh, it's, it's what you can find. How do you amass what you eventually sell? Like, how do you do that when it's kind of such a random, flippant uh, thing to, to harness? So, <clears throat> obviously, you have to be out there. You have to get yourself immersed in uh, a group of people that have stuff that they want to buy and stuff that obviously they want to sell. So I've got to try and find people like yourself who think, you know, I've this is enough time. Yeah. I've had these for a while. I want to sell some. I want to sell all. Yeah. Uh, I just want to sell 25 of them, but they're 25 really good ones. Yeah. Um, it's... You know, it took a while to, to get here. I, I won't lie. You know, you, it took years to get to a point where uh, enough people knew about me that I could have things come in on some kind of regular basis. But, you know, there's no definitive, I don't know if I'll ever get another record again it's at this like very that. moment. Yeah. And I have lost sleep right. on some nights sitting there like, oh, my God, am I really going to ever find any more records? Yeah. I went through a period of about four months once where I didn't buy a single record. and at, Because nothing was good enough? Beca- no, because nothing was on offer. Nothing right. good enough to buy right. was on offer. Right. I mean, there's always records for yeah. sale. Chicago You're, records. Yes, and, and Le- Lester Lannons and, yeah. you know, every bit of trite that you could possibly imagine. Um, actually, let me even take back that statement. I never actually want to diss what anybody ever likes. I don't care what it is. I'm not dissing no, Chicago no, or ABBA. No, we weren't. I just we were talking about saleability. Yeah, like there's so much of it. It's flooded and, the market. And the market is such that I can actually sell a Chicago album. <laughs> but I meant there was right. a you know, yeah, but now, there was yeah. a period of about four months where there was nothing that I could buy to sell. And it was scary. And then suddenly I got two great collections in three weeks. So 
It's the nature of the gig that you never really know what's going to happen. But you... You're like a hunter, like a modern day... It, sure. I mean, I... I don't, I don't know. I, funny enough, I, when I really learned to stop worrying about it and just keep continue to apply myself and just be involved and be interested, that was one of the best decisions I ever made. I just relaxed, and now I just do records. And, you know, we just had our sale a couple of months ago, mm. and, you know, I go to bone dry. I don't have any records left. I've got to find records all over again. And suddenly in the last two weeks... I've bought thousands of albums. Right. Like suddenly I have thousands of records. Right. You know? And uh, you just, I think if, there are a couple key things. Pay well, be friendly, be fair, and be ready. And that's it. I should premise this with the fact that at any record show, your corner is the the most um, populated. You, you, sometimes I give up in disgust because I can't get through <laughs> to any of the bins because there's like a lineup of three or four people per bin. Yeah. So that's how, you know, how credible you guys are. Your name has gone around. It's like the record, the record guys are here. So chances are a casual look through their bins will yield a couple of purchases. That's just how regular record store record buyers have come to know you guys. I know that too. I can even promise that if you don't find something you want to like, you'll at least see something interesting. Yeah. And uh, if the record sells for 30 bucks, I've got 20 bucks on it every time. Right. Because I want the record to sell so that I can continue to buy and sell records. And it also means that that person is having a good time. They go, oh, cool, good score. Bang, everybody's happy. So I think that's why there's a bunch of people lined up in front of the crates. Because yeah. there's always a reason to look. Even if you don't buy anything, even if you it's not to your taste, you say, oh, that's interesting. And that's something that I think a lot of people, if they hear this, they'll go, oh, is that all it takes? You just grab a couple of collections, you know, put your phone number in the, the whatever, and people will call you, and that'll be it. But it's not. It comes, you need to have... Uh, a vast amount of knowledge in music, which is, you know, over the years, I've, you know, you always turn me on to whatever on even on a casual conversation. I've walked away with you, you know, you know, giving me a tip on a certain album or a certain singer. So it's obvious you have, uh, you know, a vast musical knowledge. And it's very interesting. I get that a lot. And one of the things that I think is my weakest point in records is I feel like I don't know that much. And it's, I, I guess it's because I always know how much I don't know. Yeah, well, that's just I it. I do, and there's lots I don't know. And um, you I only, think I'm grateful for it, honestly. You come to that realization when you do know a lot about music. Maybe. And you Maybe. look out into the ocean and you're like, oh, when you can see the ocean. I, I think so. I mean, there's I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. But it's that lack of knowledge that keeps me engaged. Right. And then I, there is a lot I do know about, and I like to share that. Yeah. It's very gratifying when somebody comes up and says, hey, you I bought this record from you, and I really liked it, and blah, blah, blah. And wh what about this one? And I get to be honest with them. And I get to say, I remember when you bought that other one. I'm glad you really liked it. Yes, this one is right in that same zone. I think you'd really like it. 
Or the other side, which I take real pride in, is, you know what? I think it's a good record, but honestly, I don't think you'll like this based on what you've told me. Just being honest with somebody about what's in front of them, yeah. most of the time they buy it anyway because they feel great. They know I'm not lying. Mm-hmm. And they ask me about it, and I get to tell them. And that's all of the knowledge coming into play. And I, that's when I feel most gratified Yeah, about, um, about knowing stuff, I guess. And you also, you guys uh, are also part of, th- this is your baby, right? The Toronto Downtown Record Store? Record show, yeah. Record show, it yep. happens once or twice a year? Twice. Twice, like yep. once in the spring, am I right? Yeah, yeah, end of March and uh, yeah. last Sunday in March and first Sunday in November. Right, so these are your two big days where you guys oversee everything. The the vendors, the, yep. the venue, yep. everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I've been to a few of them like a couple of them over the years. My schedule doesn't allow me to, you know, go whenever I can. But sure. uh, this past November, I was in town. You know, we're on a kind of a waiting period while our record gets released. And so I went down to the place you guys held it. And it's always in different places, right? Mm-mm. No, it's I've been at the there. same place for years now. Okay, because then, then I went to another one previously where you were there. I was, oh, yeah. at the, I was at the Mississauga one even a few months before. But yeah. but a couple of years back, you were at another... I thought that was your... Okay, so I thought that was I your show. I definitely set up at other yeah, shows. Sure. For sure. I've been to a few where I've seen you. But um, uh, what, what I noticed at this downtown record show in Toronto was you had two rooms. You had a room where the vendors were, and then you had your own entire... You had a, you had a table where all the other vendors were, but you also had an entire room yeah, filled we, with discounted records. Yeah, we do the $5 records. Right. Yeah. So most of the time, if you're a serious record collector, you're basically saying to yourself, well, I'm not going to bother with the $5 bin. I mean, I'm a... I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm not... Uh, my taste doesn't veer off into the $5 zone. Those mm-hmm. are already archived buys, you know? Right, you know, right. And okay. I say that because that thought ran through my head, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I went into the to the to the room only to find out that yes, there are kind of regular, obvious uh, titles there, but mixed in, not not sprinkled in, but mixed in were some heavy titles, depending on where your tastes take you. Yep. Um, so you and I were talking after the show, and I remember I said I I I found three. Um, <laughs> I remember this. Uh, what is it called? Co-star. Co-star records <laughs> that I bought sealed. I could not believe it. And you said you you were the one who bought that. Yeah, yeah. And you told me that you sprinkle in these records, uh, these kinds of records, to you know, entertain buyers like me, who keep who, who keep. Isn't it the worst when you go somewhere and somebody tries to decide what's cool and what isn't, what's good and what's not, and then basically throws everything else to the curb yeah i mean i i don't want to swear in your podcast but i hate that okay great i fucking hate that i really fucking hate that it's so important to me that you just let people decide what they like and don't care about anything else just care about the fact that everybody likes different stuff Mm -hmm. and put something cool out for five bucks yeah i put 
Chicago and ABBA records in there because sure. lots of people are enjoying that. Yeah. And then I put you two can co-star along with Vincent Price. Although I got to get you that one. I know I didn't get that I, one I, I yet. I didn't see that. I, no, I, I didn't That's get it. It exists. Uh, yeah, it oh, exists. No, I do know that exists. <laughs> <laughs> but meaning, you know, you can uh, co-star albums are these things in case somebody doesn't yeah. know that you uh, get a record and a famous uh, 1950s or 60s Hollywood celebrity is reading their end of the. Uh, of a scene you're doing an acting scene with them and you have the script and you're supposed to star along read along with them of course inevitably becoming a movie star just yeah. like them yeah. why not put that in there why not have that because so many people will reject those things or or fetishize them again and make them a hundred dollar album because they want it to be because they think it's cool it's, yeah it, that's how it that's, goes yeah that stuff is meaningless to me put it out it's a good price everybody discovers something and it's mania over there because people have figured out that there's lots of cool stuff. And I really do put records that other people sell for 100 bucks out for 5 bucks. Yeah. Because it's fun Like and an exciting. Easter egg inside. I totally do that. I did it this last show with the Flower Traveling Band album. Yeah, you ja- tell me that. Yep. Yeah. Japanese psych group album came out in Japan and Canada. And I got a sort of off-condition copy. I'm like, great. I don't want to put this out for 30 bucks. I want to put it out for 5 bucks. And let's just see what happens. Now, did everybody who was working in the room uh, know about that record? No, God, no. Because I just say that because if the person bought it, would it would there be like a someone to go, oh my God, you you got it, and then like the <laughs> bells and whistles go off, <laughs> streamers yeah. come down from the sky, like clowns Wonka. and dancing girls, <laughs> yeah. Da, 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 da. yeah, yeah, it'd be like Willy Wonka, you going, yeah, like That's get right. him up, get him, there, <laughs> take whatever you want, Danko, nice to meet yeah. you, congratulations yeah. on finding this huge prize, <laughs> but it pissed me off in a way when I found those three records, those co-star records, because I was like. <laughs> What the hell? Fuck! I gotta go through all the fucking bins now <laughs> to make sure there aren't more. I had to go through all the bins. Oh, you didn't see? I had the whole series. There were eighty-five more in there. No, no, no. no. I'm totally messing with no, you. No, because there's yeah. fifteen in the series. <laughs> oh, you look, you look that shit up. Huh? Okay. Oh yeah, I know there's fifteen. Um, because it's like I got three all at once, and I had one. I've had one for years, mm-hmm. and uh, over the years, I've I've seen one or two or three. Those three titles I didn't know existed. No, me neither. So actually, it, I went home immediately. Yep. And I'm like, oh my god! I went on Discogs. I'm like, there's 15 in the series. Now I gotta get all. Yeah, gotta get all 15. <laughs> I'm on a mission for Thanks, you, man. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> so I saw those three, and I had to go back and look through all the bins. Mm. Um, but it was amazing that you, you know, after talking to you and telling you what I found mm. and it all made sense because there was records in there that I, you know, I saw I'm like, wow, this is I bought this for like 25 bucks on eBay. Right. I bought this for 10 right. bucks and it's five bucks. I should have more patience. The reason the show is successful, I think our show is that I'm, it has joy there. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's wild. It, it can, is the craziest I, I, record store, a record show I've been to. It can be a little overwhelming. I get it, uh, but people show up early because they want to get at it because they want to find good stuff. But they yeah. want to have a. It's a good time, and whether I mean I have all sorts of dealers that show up and they want to buy stuff for their stores. I get people who have 
5,000 records in their collection and they still want to buy more. I've got somebody who's just starting out. But everybody's excited and there's joy to be had. And I'm that those are the things I'm really happy about. Yeah, it's a cool vibe in there. Um, I go to them for different reasons than I think most people do. Um, you know, I'm always to the, you know, I, I've resigned myself to like, I'll take music in any format, CD, MP3 yep. records. That's why my whole thing with the vinyl resurgence is I, I have mixed feelings about it. <clears throat> um, so when it comes to vinyl, I get records that mean something to me. And over the years, I've realized really the only records that I get real joy out of having mm-hmm. isn't like the newest ACDC on vinyl or, you know, it's a record that's so weird, not rare in terms of like, oh, Japanese pressing on red color right. vinyl, but it's right. just they made this. Right, right. So this actually happened. This actually exists. <clears throat> it's so yeah. odd and bizarre. Yeah. And so, you know, we were hanging out in the studio this past fall, and we were just shooting the shit, and I was talking to some of the guys, and, you know, there's Discovery nearby the studio. And I went there on a break, and I came back with these crazy records, because that's the section I go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got a section that says, Hard to Say. Yes, that's he my does. favorite. Yeah. That's my favorite part of the store. So I came back with the records. We started talking about it. And I go, you know, I have this hashtag I created through the band's Instagram called Next Level Record Collecting, which to me is basically uh, any record that is uh, not rare, but just weird and odd, bizarre, and not necessarily about music and about something you need to have if you are you know, records are synonymous with music, but... There's more than music when it comes to records. So, right. so I just start. I was like, wow, I should start an Instagram account. Right then on the spot at the yeah. studio, I started to. I have all these records I've collected for the years. Yeah. They're just sitting around entertaining only me. Right. I got to show it off. Right. So I started to do this thing and I, you know, I got you, I tagged you or something like that. So that's what brings me to these record shows now. And mm-hmm. um, on the Toronto, at the tro- that Toronto show, the one you put on, was quite a haul, including Great. those co-star records. Great. Um, Great. And that's what keeps me going. I mean, I, I, you had some sex records there. I like collecting sex records. Mm-hmm. That's also another thing. Like educational blah, blah, blah sort or of thing. Or just like sex stories or right, right. music to strip buy or how to strip for your husband right, or right you know um and just all these crazy sex records yeah like penthouse or playboy you got the groupies album you got the groupies i do not oh what, is that the soundtrack no. to the meatball record no it's a late 60s thing where they interview a bunch of band groupies and they talk about who they were totally getting it on with and i've seen that record on yeah. ebay yeah those records are so rare i have Two of those records in that series. That was an album that was absolutely positively everywhere when I started doing this late, well, yeah, late 80s, yeah. right to the mid, late 90s. You saw it all the time. And I don't see it anymore. You don't see it anymore. <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've, I have two of them in the series. They're crazy. They're, They're crazy. nuts. Yeah. The, the, when you listen to the album, it's, it's very much that, 
oh wow so you know i was hanging out with i can't say the band but these guys were incredible man and they were so talented and i was willing to do anything for them and it's just insane yeah you know and uh and i think i just did a brilliant impression i think it's spot on it's like the needles on the record you do static and i'll do yeah what's what's amazing to me is like with this vinyl resurgence people aren't cluing into that and there should be a label that picks up where that label left off and and do these crazy whacked out stuff, yeah. you know. Whether it's superhero stories, that's a or, pretty good idea. Yeah, like Power <laughs> Records. I I love Power. Oh, I'm man. a Power Records collector as yeah. well. Yeah, uh, someone should pick up where that left off, you know. But you know, now with movies kind of making superheroes so lifelike, um, it's hard to compete. But I still love that. I still love the idea of putting on a record and uh, a weird world opens up to you, mm. you know, that mm. you can't find on TV or Netflix or anything. So, so very much that spoken word kind of approach, but with a pop culture thing. That's a good idea. Somebody should do that. Nobody I, is doing that anymore. You know, I tried yeah. to do that. Like when I was in college, I tried to come up with some, I think my guy was Dr. Mind. And I was going to write my own superhero stories and then get my friends to record it. Yeah. But I just like, you know, it peters out like a lot of these ideas. The strange stories of Dr. Mind. Yeah, Yeah. I can hear it now. And then his brain, I think I'm giving away too much, but his his head, his cranium would actually just expand as his powers grew, you know, like when they're on. And stay that way? No, then then it would decompress when he's back to normal. It's amazing. Or whatever his name is. Superheroes often have two first names. Yes. That's yes, a, that's a marker of superheroes. So right. I can't remember his name, but yeah. Right. Right. So it's, it's uh, stuff like that. And then the sex records. I mean, who knows in this, you know, in this world now if it'll even take hold because you got like online porno at, at the drop of a hat. It's, what am I getting, what it's funny how those records that were made to be titillating at the time yeah. are now uh, representative of an era where we actually look at them as somewhat innocent. And yeah. isn't that funny? Yeah. And and there there's that sort of history thing that pops up because a record is a bit of an artifact of a time gone by. Well, That's almost like an old stag film. Y- yeah. That that record, which might have been like whoa, in is, the basement of the uh, you know the boys' beer hall. Isn't and that then the suddenly, name of the label? Or I think it stag is. is stag is one of absolutely yeah. Yeah, stag right? is one of the labels that put out. Uh, basically orangey. terrible, raunchy jokes. I mean, they're really in bad taste, but yeah. They're terrible, yeah. yeah. But, but, uh, but from some nightclub somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the covers were always insane, you know, like half-naked women, but it's mm-hmm. almost like a like a old car magazine, or a, it's mm-hmm. the, the covers were always like a comic book or an old car magazine, with yeah. lots of squ- squares and rectangles with headlines and stuff mm-hmm. to grab your eye. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, hell, man! I, if someone put one of those things out, it, I would definitely buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Danko, perfect customer for a new record line. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like when I posted on the next level record collecting profile I have on Instagram, I noticed I would post the title, the artist, uh, the 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 label, and the year, and I noticed. Most of the postings don't go past 1980 mm. or 85 or 86 would be the latest, mm-hmm. most recent one. So it all happened within a time frame of 20 years because it's all people had to entertain themselves. 
Um, and now you got to try and find these things. They're so rare. So people, you know, they focus and they obsess over rarities, but in the music genre, I'm glad. Right. Because this is this I is want, your thing. This is my thing. I really right. want to just. I really don't want anyone. I mean, and and that was it's very piss much me off if someone else buys it. And in the uh, early '90s, when I started getting really serious about collecting records, because I did have thousands of records at one point. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, I was very glad that nobody cared about. Uh, 1970 to 75 prestige release blue note release funky jazz things or on the label black jazz or all these you know privately issued wild spiritual jazz guys out of detroit or out of new york like strata east there really wasn't but six of us in toronto who cared yeah and it wasn't that I wanted to keep it all to myself. It was that I could actually find it and then get to listen to it. Yeah. And uh, that's obviously changed since then. And as a result, I'm actually quite glad. I'm glad that people have discovered this music that I thought was just powerful and amazing. Well, it doesn't, But I was glad that I had a time period. It doesn't period. hold you prisoner as much as it used to anymore. You're not... You, like you, you're not trying to find it all anymore. You're you've, you're over it. No, I'm only trying to find it all because it's fun. I get to play with it, well, and then I move job, it to somebody yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, but as far as to to possess it, to, to, no, take take it, keep it for yourself. That's it. But I, I am glad that there was a time period where there was just a few of us because yeah. you sort of one of my best friends of all time, my man Pauly Lopez. Him and I met in rather the same way that you and I met. He came into the record store I worked at, again, another Vortex, a Young and Eglinton, and he picked a record out of the bins. It was uh, this American R&B singer named Will Downing, and he did a 12-inch only of a version of Coltrane's A Love Supreme that he put lyrics to. Nobody wanted it. It made it to the dollar bin because nobody was buying it. And he comes up to the counter. I'm like, you're buying this? You care about this? He's like, you know this? And so right then is the beginning of a friendship. Right. Based on nobody else caring about this stuff. Right. So it really, that does provide something. But again, I am still glad it morphed and changed and became popular because, wow, look at all these other people who see that Stanley Cowell is an incredible pianist and made all these records, that Black Jazz was an insanely brilliant label, that these magical musicians really didn't get enough props at the time and then suddenly years later people do care right so yeah yeah you mentioned you you also worked at the young and eglinton vortex and that to me you know as much as i have memories about spadine and queen vortex young and eglinton vortex uh was the store that that was my favorite store in toronto Yep, and uh, you know Bert, the owner, mm-hmm. uh, announced that he's going to close the store last year. Mm-hmm. That happened, and so a month leading up to it, a, you know, two weeks, <clears throat> one week, you know, things would, you know, the prices fell and everything, and it was getting closer and closer. And um, I saw you there on the last day that it was open, on the very last day. Yeah, you were there. Just you said you were there to, to help go. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like this. You just had to go. Um, yeah. Obviously, you have you know close ties with Bert working there and everything. But for me, as as a as a customer there for since I was like I like fourteen or like I you yeah. know like Jesus Christ I bought yeah. 
you know, um, I had to go. Mm-hmm. Like I had to just like a lot of people did be there. Vortex um, is not even close to arguably one of the most important record stores that Canada has ever had. Bert is uh, the loveliest guy ever. He's a perfect record store eccentric. <clears throat> if he's listening to that, he's probably laughing at me right now, and that's just fine. But he is. And he is. <laughs> in the best way. In the best possible way. Uh, Bert never met a customer that he didn't try to be helpful to, give a deal to, and would put all these amazing music in people's hands for next to nothing. Lots of people scored all sorts of fantastic stuff. Yeah. Therefore, creating this institution that lasted over 30 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, markets and times change, and Bert was ready to retire, so it all made sense. But, yeah, lots of us went to just be there one last time. Yeah. I mean, I worked there for 10 years, so it was pretty important to me. I would not be here doing this without Bert. Yeah. No question. Yeah. There's, even though I do things business-wise quite different than he does, I really still learned so much from him. Yeah. And gave me the opportunity to to do that learning. Yeah. Exceptional. Exceptional guy. Exceptional store. And standing there just before it ended and watching just people and looking around the store and kind of drinking it in, I can see that last day in my mind. Took a little photograph. I did too. I yeah. took some photographs of the stairs because the stairs is what you you know you walk up this these long st- staircase before you get to the store and yeah. and that's what you do like thinking what am I gonna find mm-hmm. today? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> A lot of the time it's always you. I always left there with uh, mixed feelings because uh, I'm like, well, I just blew all this fucking cash. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I do that? Like, it's funny. Would... We were at the top of the stairs going, Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> look, it's all this. Yeah, exactly. No, no. That um, never happened. <laughs> I can't afford this. Why do I? We were walking out, you know? I already had this Youth of Today album. <laughs> exactly. I've proven that. Um, I liked it because, you know, near the end there, like, I, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten what I want, you know? Like, I have, and even with, you know, uh, uh, the internet, you can pretty much get what you want whenever you want it. So yep. it's made music very, very accessible for people. So, you know, I'm not, when I buy something now, it's different than when I, I'm not trying to find out about things as much as I used to when mm-hmm. I was younger. So, you know, but that's so, part of the, sorry to interrupt, but that's part of the key, right? We're not 18 anymore. Yeah. And, but somewhere out there right now is an 18 year old girl who is going into that store, mm-hmm. who doesn't really care about the internet and your ability to buy a record on it. Because quite frankly, what's the internet to an 18-year-old? Mm-hmm. Something that's been there their entire yeah. life. So at that record store experience, if you're in Belgium right now and you're hearing this, somewhere near you, somehow, some way, is a record store with a Bert kind of a guy, yeah. or even better, woman. Please, women, open up record stores. That's right. Do it. We're hoping you will. Uh and that experience is out there for somebody. That go in there and just something electric will happen. The store owner's weird or cool or interesting or plays something you've never heard before. That experience is still totally there. It's funny you mentioned Brussels because, um, first of all, even though we're talking about the Toronto record 
show and you you oh. work out of Toronto and I mean someone you know it's 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 this isn't a regional podcast episode this applies to everyone yeah anyone out there you know buying records is a worldwide thing for people um and you you mentioned Brussels in Brussels there is a record store that I love called Electrocution mm-hmm. and it is the size of Vortex at Queen Spadina. Right. And I always go there whenever we're in Brussels, and I always walk out of there with some great stuff. He always manages to get great stuff. So there, there, yeah, this that, applies. Right there. In yeah. De- it applies. So we're talking about Burt. We're talking about Vortex. We're talking about, you know, Toronto record shows. But this applies to everywhere and everyone, you know. Yep. So yep. I'm sure people out there can relate, if not to the actual people being talked about, they can relate to the process of buying records and, and and all that whole experience. So a lot is made about the vinyl resurgence, blah, 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 blah. Guys like me and you are tired of hearing that. Yeah. But the one excellent aspect of it is how important that experience is. And I think people are disinterested in uh, many other forms of just getting music uh, so immediately mm-hmm. that, that you want something a little more, um, oh, just it, I guess it's a tangible experience, not only to walk into the store and buy it, but it's almost like the experience itself is almost tangible. You can almost grab it. Yep. You know, like the store, you, you, you hold onto the bins, you, yep. you feel the floor underneath your feet. That's a huge part of this resurgence. Again, I don't care if it's CDs or vinyl or whatever. Neither do I. I really don't care. No. Um, but it's that going in there and relating to that moment. No. And that's another huge reason I think people just, they got sick of convenience. They just got sick of everything being that easy all the time, and you just kind of turn off. Mm-hmm. And so if you have to go in search of something, and you've only got what's right there in front of you, then the experience is that much more focused. So away you go. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I got caught up with, you know, the how easy mp3s were you know mm-hmm. and i got i got so many records via mp3 and my ipod ipad ipod and traveling made it so easy it's to fin- listen i mean it's yeah, amazing it I is amazing thousands of records at at my fingertips when i'm you know uh, traveling on a highway you know, but we remember the old days when we had to bring like 12 cassettes yeah you know and or <clears throat> cd booklets that held like 50 cds and that mm-hmm. was it for the whole tour <clears throat> now you have like a thousand whenever you want yeah how many and, of those thousand do you hear though that's that's sometimes what i wonder is that that level of convenience how many people have days worth of music yeah. on their machine, whatever they're bringing with them. How much of it did they actually listen to? Oh, no, it's still yeah. the same. It's uh, Lizzie. I just listened to Lizzie, right. ACDC, Kiss, right. uh, Stones, <laughs> Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the same. I yeah. even tweeted about that. I go, you know how many records an iPod holds? I still listen to the same 12 fucking <laughs> bands, no matter what, you know? <laughs> it's more of just like, uh, you know, oh, that's what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. moving on. Right. Um, but even with, with newer bands, when um, for example, this past year, my favorite album was a, by a band called King Gizzard mm-hmm. and the Lizard Wizard. I need to own all their vinyl. Right. So I do need to own their vinyl. I would mm-hmm. love to have the MP3s of it, but I do need to own it. So that idea that you were talking about owning something and, you know, that tangible experience, 
I understand. I understand what that is. Um, I think my criticisms about the vinyl resurgence are the people who have taken advantage of the interested parties and the interested parties, the new consumers of it, not paying enough respect to the whole experience, mm -hmm. I feel. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so gouging people for the White Album or, or Abbey Road, you know, for 30 bucks when yeah, we all bought it for, you know, how much? Yeah. You know, I just find that to be ridiculous. I did say I only have 150 records. It is true. But the nerd part that I got to cough up to is that I have three copies of Gil mm -hmm. Scott Heron, Pieces of a Man, and three copies of Carmen McRae, Bittersweet, because I... I hold on to them, waiting for the right person to give one of them to. Oh, really? Yeah, because... It's not because you're like, ah, fuck you, suckers, I got three copies. Nope, definitely not. See, that would be... But a... part of me is also like, there is a small part of me yeah, going, yeah. this is great, and somebody's got to know. Right. And everybody knows Gil Scott. Everybody's cool with Gil. Right. But not that many people care about Carmen McRae's Bittersweet album. Right. And it's like when I f meet the person who really likes a particular kind of jazz vocal, I go, great, you got to hear this, bang. Right. But I still have a relationship to holding on to it. So right. I, I can't, you know, I don't want to take myself out of that picture either. But yeah, I just, I do, I love that people like records. But don't get too overblown with it at the same time. It is the music. I don't want people to forget that That's it what it's, truly is the tunes yeah, that yeah. we're supposed to be there for. Yeah, and then everybody like yeah. the, another thing on it. Uh, Instagram pisses me pisses me off is like you get an album cover. Let's say Bowie's changes, right? Mm -hmm. So they, you know, everybody knows that. Then they put the album cover on their face and then a they sleeve do, face. Yeah, sure. and they they, they sure. try to be Bowie. It pisses <laughs> me off. I'm like, you're not even you're not even buying this to listen to it. You're buying it so you can so like you can pose and look like Bowie for a day. Yeah, yeah, like you play with it. It's not a toy, really. Yeah. I mean, do whatever you want. I just don't agree. <laughs> you know, like I'm like, oh. So I had like I yeah. was ready for posts for that. I'm like, you know what? I can't do that. I got to be positive. I just got to do my thing. My thing is about these wacky records, and that's it. And all of the records that we buy are in support of somebody who was doing their thing, that positive thing. Yeah. Even if they were dealing with negative subject matter, right. they were putting it out there because it, art had to be made. Right. You had to just, I just got to fucking do this, and that's it. Right. You know, as no, the right. as the author of uh, uh, two albums that nobody has bought, <laughs> two jazz records, uh, you just got to do it. And the people that did buy it and did like it, however few of them there were, I've had some people go, that's just great. That's why you did it. That's why we're buying it. That's why you get into it and, and just eat it up. Right. Because it's just so damn important. Yeah. And again, it is hard. The negativity... To avoid it, what you were mentioned earlier, the cost of records. I mean, it is very difficult to walk into a record store and see, you know, the new yada yada, whatever album, and it's 40 bucks. That's very hard to see. But just so it's clear for a lot of people out there, most probably that's not your record store making it that expensive. The relationship, record stores are not making a lot of money on records. Mm -hmm. They really, really aren't. I mm -hmm. know enough guys. I know what they have to pay in order to get it to get it to you. On a $40 record, they're lucky if they're making five or six bucks. Mm -hmm. That really is. And yeah. so, 
Uh, It's a relationship that the labels are putting out there. I'm not going to be afraid to say that. Labels are like, "How, how much are we charging? Oh, yeah, okay, we can get away with that. Let's do that. That's crazy sometimes. I, you know, so I. But I'm, also, their hands are tied because not enough people are buying music anymore, right? And I mean, there's, there's definitely something to be said for that, too. Yeah. But uh, nobody's going to buy it if you put it out on um, Spotify eight weeks before you put the vinyl out. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to have processed through that record. So it becomes that much harder. But, you know, this is one of those things that goes on forever. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's always being talked about. People are always asking me about, you know, downloading and this and that. I'm like, yeah. If, if I can just close with something, somebody out there is listening. Buy records because you love it. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Ever. Anybody. Tune into stuff. Talk to your friends. Talk to other people about what you dig. Because music is yours, not anybody else's. It's yours. You listen to what you love, and you'll find community. You'll find um, solace. You'll find excitement. You'll find reason. Music is incredible. Records are a vehicle to that. And just enjoy and don't let anybody tell you what to not enjoy. Just go for it. When sunny. Her eyes get gray and cloudy And the rain begins to fall Pitter-patter, pitter-patter Love is gone So what can matter No sweet love a man comes to call A sigh of sadness Like the wind that stirs the trees Winds that sets the leaves to sway Like some violins are playing Weird and haunting 